On this episode of the Pack It Up Pod, we preview our Sunday matchup against the LA Chargers. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter. And with that, let's go Pack. Third down and five. Rogers, same side. And this time, it's in the hands of Lazard. Incredible play. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back, Chargers week. Are the Chargers kind of the most disappointing team this year? I know the Falcons have been horrible, but like this team seems like they have enough talent to be good, and yet they are constantly finding ways to lose. I had them going deep in the playoffs, possibly being a Super Bowl pick over the Chiefs. Uh, they are definitely my biggest bust. That was when Melvin Gordon wasn't holding out. All right. But they're definitely my biggest bust in the AFC. But I think the Falcons are the most disappointing team this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a struggle. I mean, what about the Eagles? They're pretty disappointing right now. Uh, they could still win the division and win the Super Bowl and everybody will forget about it. This is true. There's a few disappointing teams. The Browns. I mean, the Browns are pretty disappointing, but I, I would not argue if someone wanted to say the Chargers are the most disappointing. They have all the talent in the world, and they are they really should be 2-5. and five. The Bears gifted them a win last week. So here we go. Sunday in L.A., Chargers versus Packers. Packers have won every game of the 11 matchups except for one. That lone Chargers win was in 1984. <laughs> the last time that they met was 2015 when James Stark— Took over the game with 112 rushing yards, two touchdowns, and our leading receiver that game, Jeff Janis. Jeff Janis. <laughs> Jake Kumaro 1.0. <laughs> Just a little faster. <laughs> the Chargers, as we kind of talked about, are 3-5 and five on the season. Um, just somehow finding a way to lose a game in all these different scenarios. They lost the Lions by three with an interception in the end zone, three touchdowns by Houston in the second half, scored 17 points in the fourth quarter to come back against the Steelers, but still came up short, fumbled on the one-yard line to lose the Titans, and then a field goal as time expired against the Bears. Wait, hold on. I'm here uh, to miss that kick. <laughs> But you think about it, I mean, they easily could be five and two. They could easily be two and five. It's just one of those games every single week where the new thing to watch for is how are the Chargers going to collapse and somehow blow it. And as we mentioned, they have the talent. So let's kind of start on our defensive side of the ball. We got Eckler, we got Gordon, who both have disappeared at times. Gordon hasn't quite gotten where he needs to get to. Philip Rivers, who I believe is Dan's most hated player in all of football. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, Keenan Allen is absolutely a stud. I don't know why I don't pick him every single year in fantasy. He always drops to those rounds where you're like, why is he still here? And I never give him a chance. But what do we make about this offense versus our defense? You know, the biggest take for me this week is the Chargers have officially fired offense coordinator Ken Wisenhunt. Uh to me, that's a little scary. You know, mm-hmm. anytime a new offensive coordinator comes in, guess what? Every film that we have on them 
could be scrapped because whoever's coming in to call plays is probably going to call them completely different. Um, And that's one thing they've struggled in. They only have 157 points total for them this year. You know, that's exactly as many as they've given up, you know, and they're one of the league's best defenses. They're up there. I don't know what number, Um, but I think that's a huge take this week. And I think we're going to struggle because of it. On our Twitter account a couple of days ago, we tweeted out that my analogy, this was my tweet, but my analogy was that it's like the minor league pitcher coming up to the majors and there's just no film on them. So that guy always has a little bit of success the first time through the order because everyone's trying to figure out just how fast is that fastball? Does it have any movement? Does he have a curve or a slider? Let's try to see how much it moves and it, can he locate it today? It's the same way when a new offensive coordinator is employed and you got rid of your old one. You have to scrap all of the previous film. You know, you can understand the basic concepts of the offensive system, but Melvin Gordon has looked like trash this year ever since coming back from his holdout, but he's a premier running back. So maybe the new offensive coordinator gives Melvin Gordon 30 carries. Eckler's been a great receiving threat, but not much of a threat in the running game. Well, maybe they find a way to make Eckler a running threat. Maybe they start featuring Mike Williams instead of Keenan Allen and Hunter Henry. You just don't know. So it's super difficult to come into this game. It's it's a huge wild card that concerns me. But luckily, they got Phillip Rivers at quarterback. I could not stand Phillip Rivers. Everyone wants to talk about it. He's a Hall of Fame quarterback. He's just never gotten the respect, all because he doesn't have a ring. Phillip Rivers is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. You watch every Chargers game ever, and this is probably my second most favorite team behind the Packers ever since the LaDainian Tomlinson days. But Phillip Rivers, with his sidearm trash throws every first half of every game, they always go down by what feels like three touchdowns, and then he leads a comeback late in the game that's normally just not enough. So everyone just remembers the comeback he led, and like, wow, he looked amazing. And we all forget about how crappy he looked in the first half. So I fully expect the Packers to take advantage of this and then just hold on tight for a Philip Rivers comeback in the second half and make sure we scored enough in the first half. I'm right with you. Philip Rivers is not a Hall of Fame quarterback. I mean, he's a very good quarterback for a long time, right? But this offensive line is actually pretty decent for the Chargers. And they, the, you know, their run blocking hasn't been great, but their pass blocking has been pretty decent, only giving up 14 sacks this year. And with only giving up 14 sacks and you throw seven interceptions and fumble the ball twice, so a total of nine turnovers by Philip Rivers himself, you know, that's just not acceptable for an elite quarterback, right? You know, you're not looking for an interception every game from your starting quarterback. I don't know if that's offensive line necessarily because they put Philip Rivers in shotgun because he's not very mobile anymore. So they're not asking him to do a full drop back from under center. So he starts in shotgun and he gets the ball out pretty fast, like most veteran quarterbacks should be able to do. So in, as it stands for our defense, I don't expect a high sack count unless somehow we're confusing Rivers and the offensive line. But for the most part, like you said, he gets the ball out fast, which means they don't have many sacks, but he still gets the ball out in a wonky way. And sometimes he throws a ball where you just you can watch it six different ways and still say, where the heck was he throwing that ball to? So our defense just needs to capitalize when he throws those crazy passes in the first half. Yeah, the the Chargers offense ranks 23rd in both points per game and turnovers. 28th in yards per rush, which is crazy when you think of that backfield, and 31st in red zone score percentage at 70%. I'm not as scared of this Wizenhunt firing just because I think when it's a head coach that gets switched over, I feel like the team rallies around that a lot more. 
I think with the offensive coordinator, it comes down to how well that first quarter is. If they get get pressure, if they can get a turnover, if they can continue to contain Gordon, and our offense keeps doing what they're doing early in games, I'm not as worried about this. I think this is one of those perfect games where the system isn't in place. They're just kind of playing it safe for a lot of the things, which, again, I guess that hurts the Packers more than anything. But I'm okay with this. If it was the second game, I think I'd be a little bit more nervous. But uh, Let me put I, it this way, Ryan. Let me put it this way. Compared to the Chiefs that were just coming off, Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler versus LaShawn McCoy and Damian Williams, you'd have to take the Chargers backfield, right? Yeah, I, I think this goes for a lot of players. If Melvin Gordon continues how he's playing, I'd mm. – uh, and in the general sense of their career, you got to take yeah, Melvin yeah, yeah. Gordon. Yep. And then Keenan Allen, Hunter Henry compared to, let's say, Tyree Kill and uh, Travis Kelsey. Kelsey's probably better than Hunter Henry. Keenan Allen and uh, Tyree Kill are different players, but they're similar caliber. They're top-tier Pro Bowl-type guys, right? Mike Williams, you could probably compare him to Sammy Watkins. The playmakers on the Chargers offense, I guess let me back up. Do you agree with that statement? that those guys are somewhat comparable outside of Kelsey being one notch above Hunter Henry. Yeah. In terms of talent, I think that Packers match up better against the, the LA chargers mm-hmm. players. So they're not Good based point. on speed. It's more based on just skill height, which I think our physicality helps dramatically for that effect. You know, I, I agree with you, but I disagree because Melvin Gordon only saw the ball running eight times versus the Bears. This was a close game. This was not like they needed to pass, you know, to catch up, you know, consistently. They were in the game the whole entire time. And to give Melvin Gordon the ball only eight times when he did have one decent run for 19 for a touchdown, you know, so at one point he probably did have a higher average than he ended up with with 3.9. But to only give a guy like that the ball eight times and Austin Eckler, they only gave it three times, you know, so obviously they didn't even think they could run it on the Bears and they only wanted to pass. So I just think that was a mistake. They couldn't run it on the Bears and Eckler's three runs look like trash. They were trash. Yeah, he was only a receiving threat, but he's a pretty good one. He's he's one I think is going to give us a challenge come Sunday. I definitely think Eckler and Allen are are the two that we need to watch out for uh, just because our corners haven't been playing too good. And then Eckler just coming out of the backfield with our linebackers and safeties, like just cross her fingers. Hopefully they get a hand on the ball. Why, why doesn't Mike Pettin play more matchups where the Keenan Allen versus Jair Alexander matchup? I think I think it's pretty even between the Chargers and the Packers. But then that leaves you with Kevin King on Mike Williams. Mike Williams is a six four big body wide receiver, uh, fairly talented. But I think Kevin King can hold his own against him. But if you switch those two matchups, well, now the Chargers have two advantages against us. But we haven't seen Pettin do that type of follow your guy wherever he lines up kind of defense. Why don't why don't we see that more? I was wondering the same thing because supposedly Jair Alexander is a shutdown corner, right? So why would we not put him on their best threat every week? Um, I, I think it's because they're trying to give him a break. You know, I, I think it's th- them guessing, you know, trying to guess when they will throw it to, you know, the top player and then line Jair up against him then to maybe have a second guess on it. That's a dangerous um, game to play. But yeah, and I think that's what they're playing. And they've been losing recently on that where they were winning previously earlier in the season. Uh, so you're right. I'm interested to see what they do. I hope that they line Jair up against Keenan Allen every single play. I'd be perfectly fine with that. Mike Williams is a little bigger. Put Kevin King on him. He's a little bigger. Uh, but we'll, right. we'll see what they do. 
Right, Ryan, you called this out last week. They left Kevin King on Tyreek Hill for some mm-hmm. reason against the Chiefs, and mm-hmm. it was exposed every time. It was a no-brainer. I mean, I could have played quarterback and just chucked it with the 10-yard coverage that he was playing and let Tyreek Hill do his thing. So hopefully we see that against the Chargers, right? It's weird because we praise how much Matt LaFleur has changed the system offensively by looking at the league, seeing what adjustments need to be made, building off of it. I, I can't help but feel like Mike Pennon week after week, 95% of the plays all stay the same. The coverage, it, and when it, he does change it, it doesn't make sense to me. The amount of buffer that we give to receivers in certain plays, when we're, we're going from zone to man in situations where like it's not working, we need it to change. So it's interesting because I, we do have the talent, and I know that we're a little weak up the middle, but we have the ability to play well, and we've seen that earlier in the season, but I just can't help but think we aren't evolving as a defense to realize, all right, this is working and this isn't. I think they are trying new things. They're they're playing more off than press, um, but they're not a, as good at it, you know, and, and you can clearly see Jair Alexander is trying not to jump routes like he was earlier in the year and getting beat deep. You can see that he is thinking about it when he's going at the wide receiver. He's breaking down instead of sprinting at him, Uh, you know, and I'm okay with it. You know, just like last week, they didn't give up any big plays. You know, don't give up the big plays and we will always have a chance to win. They've been playing off more as of late, but I'm hoping that that's game planning based on the quarterback that you're playing. I mean, when when you play, unfortunately, it was Matt Moore. But when you play, I guess I should say the offense that we've been playing. The, the Chiefs offense has been dangerous. Some of these quarterbacks we played are enough that you can just keep everything in front of you, play zone, play off the guy, and you'll be all right. But I'd love to see them get back to like Bears in week one where they just pressed, left a single high safety, and made you beat them. And I, yes, I, th- yes. I think this might be an offense that you could see some of that again. I hope we do. And, and they're definitely going to need to bring some pressure if they're going to want to get in Phillips Rivers' face. I don't know if they're going to want to because just he's not been playing well this year. Uh, maybe just let him throw like we did with Trubisky, you know, <laughs> you know, rush every now and then to get a sack on third down, but let him make the mistake for us. Exactly. He's going to miss throws. You just got to be in the right spot when he does. And Philip Rivers is the most emotional quarterback in the game. So many other quarterbacks, if they have a bad series or a bad throw, they kind of brush it off and keep going. If they get to him early, whether it's with a turnover or a sack, he dissolves. So this is an opportunity that I would love to see a little bit more pressure uh, and, and just be like willing to just release the beast and just be like, we have to get to him early and, and see what happens. But speaking of beasts, Aaron Rodgers and the boys are going to try to continue this streak that they have of just absolutely owning and coming at teams from all different outlets. Adams seems to be getting back to that point. So I guess we'll start there. Are we OK with Adams sitting one more week or would we love to see him back? this week i'm hoping he's coming back he was working out pregame against the chiefs practice reports have been interesting i hope he's coming back i have a i have a funny story about adams and i didn't tell it in our last episode so i'm going to tell it now you know as i was at the game you know and adams was walking out with bakhtiari at the end of the game and he was in a hoodie and didn't want anybody to see him and i was wearing his jersey so i'm screaming his name bakhtiari's pointing up at me and saying hey look at him he's wearing your jersey and all he does to me is turn around and puts his finger up to his mouth and goes, shh. And I think that's what he's going to do this week. He's going to go up to everybody, 
everybody's not going to be expecting him. He's going to bust out with like 120 yards and two touchdowns. That was such so, a cute so story. Adam, so Adams told you to shut up, and that's your take of he's going to come back. That's my take, boys. He said, be quiet because I'll be back next week. No, there were reports that he was working out before the game. I, I wonder if it's one of those things we've heard it with some players around the league where they claim that if it was a playoff game, Mahomes would have played against us. I wonder if it was a playoff game, if Adams would have played for us. Uh, it sounds like he's turning into form here, and hopefully we see him against the Panthers. But, Josh, you love watching defenses. What do you? What have you seen out of this Charger defense uh, that, that intrigues you? What are we watching for? Honestly, their defensive line is stacked. Uh I don't know them well, but, I, you know, from what I've watched, Melvin Ingram, uh, Joey Bosa, I don't know which one's better out of the Bosa brothers, you know, but this Joey Bosa is a beast. I don't even know which one plays for which one. They're the same person in my head. Well, Joey's <laughs> for the Chargers. There you go. <laughs> but not only is Joey leading in sacks for the team with seven, but he's second overall in tackles as a defensive end. I mean, he is everywhere all the time. And then, of course, I had to bring up Melvin Ingram. He's not doing too well this year because he's been battling a hamstring injury. But over the past two seasons, not including this season, he had 17 and a half sacks. You know, that's very good for a young player like Melvin Ingram. Um, So I am a little worried, you know, based off of our offensive line performance in the pass blocking last week when we were going up against a bunch of nobodies uh, that we have Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on each side this week on. Honestly, Balaga and Bakhtiari are a little banged up this week. Yeah, Bulaga's already come out with a comment about his hand or finger, and if they can't get the cast right, that he's not going to play with a club, that he's not going to play if he can't be comfortable with the usage of the hand. So I'll, I'll trust the um, – not the coaching staff, the training staff. I'll trust the training staff that they're able to put together a uh, some sort of cast or splint that works well for him. But we need him in this game because can you imagine Alex Light going against either one of these guys? No, definitely oh, not. Lord, no. And Joey Bosa lines up on the weak side most, right? So that would be light if uh, if Bulaga's out. That scares the bejesus out of me. Like, yeah. I mean, Kansas City w- was solid, but this is next level. And there was moments where, you know, with the, you know, the defender's kind of going by you, so you just kind of try to shove him enough that it changes his trajectory towards the QB. That's not going to happen that game. Like, it, the Chargers will eat light alive. And and the extra scary part that I'm going to put on top of all of this is that oh the, no <laughs> oh no the part the reason the way that you would respond as the Packers offense is throw some screen passes let them get past your blockers and then run them out to the flats and get Aaron Jones with a couple of blockers in front of them right makes total sense but you've seen this happen on film against Bosa and Ingram they're athletic enough where they realize it's a screen they stop chasing the quarterback and they can still make the tackle on your running back on a screen pass they're just that twitched up that fast that quick so they can really cause some problems even as you just try to just dump it off over their head as they're rushing Aaron Rodgers they could still go back and make the tackle and if you just watch the film on the Chargers defense I mean this defense is only giving up 19.6 points per game under 20 points per game and if you had to say that for any team you know you would think you have a winning record right no they're three and five so exactly so the defense is going to limit us, but the, this is really, in my opinion, the first time the Los Angeles Chargers are seeing 
of complete offense. They are going to struggle against us, I think. I think we won't have problems putting up points. I think we'll beat their average of 19.6 points per game. But they are legit, and they forced 10 turnovers on the year, so they're a lot like the Packers, you know, turnover or bust. Uh, you know, they probably won the turnover battle in each game they won. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. that they're, they're not a bad defense at all. No, their linebackers, too, are... are... I hesitate to say fun to watch, but Thomas Davis is one of their outside linebackers. And if you follow the NFL, you may know him from his Panthers days where he formed a really nice tandem with Luke Keekley. Uh, the Panthers gave up on him because he's 36 years old, and that might be rightfully so. But he's still leading the team in tackles at the age of 36, which is crazy. But he's got 61 tackles halfway through the year. Um, so a, a smart, wily veteran that may have lost a step because what 36-year-old is going to be at the top of his game still. Um, but a guy that you have to be aware of, and he's going to know the Aaron Rodgers checks and the Aaron Rodgers you know, looks in his eyes and the screen passes as they come. And then you got Denzel Perriman in the middle, who is a Miami product. He's undersized and you know not quite fast enough in the pass game, but he just seems to be in on the tackle every time. He just seems to be around the ball. So two guys that are really going to just track the ball, be smart about it. The way to expose these guys, though, I think fits perfectly into what we've seen out of the Packers offense is make them play sideline to sideline by throwing the ball to your running backs, which exactly. we're doing a great job of doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And we, we have to mention the ex Packer Casey Howard, that Packer that never should have been cut because we had corner problems for years after yep. cutting him. Yep. Uh, you know, he's had two interceptions on the year. He went blank last year, but him and Desmond King are both, you know, pretty good corners uh they have a third guy that I, I don't know off the top of my head um but they have a decent decent secondary their safety play a little weak they have a rookie that's playing really good out of two lane um but i think we could attack them out of the air with running backs with tight ends with wide receivers honestly all game yeah they're the corner michael davis out of byu i don't know much about him he's in his third year uh, I'm intrigued to see Casey Hayward on Devonte Adams if he plays, but if Devonte Adams, if Devonte Adams is at like a 90, percent then it's a, I think it's probably an even matchup. If if they're both healthy, I would like Devonte's chances there. Uh, but I, I, the beauty of the Packer offense and what we've seen in the last few weeks is that it's it may no longer be contingent on winning a matchup like it was Devontae against the Eagles, going for 10 catches and 100 some odd yards before he twisted his toe. The beauty of this Packer offense is if Devontae isn't beating Casey Hayward for whatever reason, whether Hayward is equal with him or Devontae still a bit gimpy on the toe, then we can trust that we can get it to Aaron Jones. We can mix in some Jamal Williams. Maybe we'll find Jimmy Graham a little bit. Maybe Alan Lazard gets a 60 yards on four catches. I, I think there's enough to expose here um, in the middle of the defense. I, I don't think you're going to beat the corners all too often. The pass rush is not going to give you more than three, four seconds maybe ever, especially with the way our tackles are hurting. Uh, but I think there's stuff to expose in the middle of the field. So, it, again, like we keep saying, it goes back to the running backs and the tight ends. You're totally right. Up the middle, and I had to bring this up, are two Notre Dame rookies, yes, Tiller about and Drew Tranquil. And that's exactly why we need to attack the middle, because Notre Dame players can't play up the middle, right? <laughs> They're the worst. Can't play in a big game. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm still butthurt about Notre Dame, but 
Uh, Tillery is their first round draft pick. He's a six, six defensive tackle. So I, I still argue you can get leverage on him. You can get underneath him in the running game and make some plays, but it makes him a little dangerous. He's pretty fast uh, in the pass rush game where he can get a rush up the middle against you. And then drew tranquil, I am so sad that the Packers weren't able to draft him in the fourth round. Uh, this was a guy that was a team captain. He overcame multiple injuries. He's a little bit of an Orrin Burks type. He moved from a safety down to linebacker, so he's pretty good in the pass coverage scheme, but just a next-level intellectual type player where he's not going to be beat um, in the intellectual side of the game. He's he's probably underskilled in the athletic department but he makes plays he's starting to pick up five six tackles a game for the chargers and he's probably going to be a nice player for them for the next decade i wish we had gotten a chance at him in the draft the chargers scooped him up before we did uh but we can expect to see him make a couple plays but that doesn't mean we can't beat him either he's just my favorite notre dame player (laughs) (laughs) so our official unofficial bookie bovada currently has the packers at minus four but i've seen it as low as minus three Floating around and over under a 47. My first gut reaction was that seems awfully low for a a team like the Chargers that are struggling and the Packers that seem to have found a groove. But if you look at this season, the Chargers, for the most part, have kept it close the entire game. The few blowouts that they did have, it got a little out of hand in the second half. But I I do worry that this game is going to be a lot closer than it should be because of certain you know instances we've talked about in this podcast but let's go around give us your score prediction your thoughts and your mvp i'll start this week my winner is the packers i'm sticking on the train we're going eight and one uh but i think we struggle i think we struggle again with uh stopping uh the chargers offense i think they score a good amount of points on us um but I don't think that they can stop us. This is ultimately going to come down to in the red zone for both defenses. Both both offenses will get in the red zone consistently. Who gets a turnover? Who holds them to the most uh, field goals? But I have the Packers coming up big, uh, 27-24. I have us only winning by three, so I'm right with Vegas on that. Uh, but 27-24. And then my MVP, this is a weird one. But because I've I've seen him live now, boys, Alan Lazard, I'm picking Alan Lazard to come up. The Hall of Famer. Even even if Devontae Adams plays, I think he comes up with more yards, more catches and one touchdown. I have him coming up with 90 yards receiving and one touchdown. Was that after you were a full bottle in on Woodford Reserve? Uh, Yes. (laughs) 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 No, I also like the Packers that. Little known fact, it's actually a home game for the Packers. They have a second stadium in L.A. I talked to our good high school friend, Zach Rat, who lives in Los Angeles, and I asked him if he was going to the game. The price of a ticket down there, because it's like a 20,000-seat stadium, the lowest price ticket right now is about $330. Woo! And that's just the beautiful way the Green Bay Packer fans travel. So be loud. It'll probably probably be similar to a home game but a small stadium, so you're not going to drown them out or cause any snap count issues. Uh, but I've got the Packers 31. I think we're able to score against this defense. I'm loving what I'm – I don't know how anyone could not love what they're seeing out of this offense and predict, you know, low scoring out of Aaron Rodgers and team. So I got us going 31, but in total Phillip Rivers fashion, I just call it like it's like I see it. We'll probably take an early lead. He'll probably work his way back and get it close to the spread. So 31-27. And then for MVP – um, I'm going to go with Adrian Amos. So I think Rodgers and Aaron Jones are the easy picks from the offensive standpoint. So I want to go next level on the pack it up Packers pot. 
I think Rivers out of the shotgun and being a veteran, he's not going to allow you to get a pass rush against him. So I had to move away from a sack count or forcing fumbles on him. Uh, but he throws some wild balls <laughs> multiple times a game. Let's see Adrian Amos just outsmart those wild plays, be where he needs to be. He's going to clean up the running backs in the flat. That's the way they like to get Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler uh, out in open space. Let's see him make those tackles this week and then make a pick while he's covering Hunter Henry because he's probably going to run right past Blake Martinez. Whoa. All right. Whoa. Blake, Blake, is, <laughs> Blake has been taking some serious heat lately on this pod. Uh, I, I he's think wearing this, a club, man. He's wearing yeah. a club. I mean, Henry's pretty fast is what I'm saying. Yeah. He's going to get open. I'm going to split the difference between your guys' pick. I actually had it at 30-24 Packers, and I think it it's probably dead even, and it may be even just a late touchdown by the Packers that gets it done where you're just sitting there going, we should have this, we should have this, but L.A. makes those plays that that keep them alive. I'm going to say the MVP, this is going to be multiple people. I think it's the offensive line, and that's in terms of health and protection, but – we got to keep Rodgers upright, and I just worry that the reason why we can't get going on offense is because Rodgers can't get in sync, and he's he's scrambling. So I'm just going to give it to the O-line. But So, so quantify an O-line MVP. Is it a sack or less? How do you quantify if we give it to him or not? Yeah, two or less sacks, and even just the running game, that we just have like a steady you know, four or five runs of eight yards where you go, yep. You know, you see Jenkins pushing the pile like it, it seems like this this situation where they're doing what they need to do. I just need a solid game out of this O-line because I think our skill players on their defense, once you get outside that box, I think are, are there for us to take advantage. But will you wear a too small T-shirt if we do not rush for 100 yards and a sack or less? Because I, I need a buddy because it looks like I'm a buddy. <laughs> Rashawn Gary looks awful when he's out there. No, I haven't even brought no, that no, up. No, but. no, no. He's gotten better. But, yeah, he's he doesn't look like a number 12 draft pick. Well, he's no. going on the Rich Eisen show while he's out in L.A. So oh, definitely gosh. showboating that. <laughs> Like, oh, God, that's who you picked, Rich. I get it that he's a Michigan man, but Lord have mercy. Oh, that's what it is. Uh, I'm not. No, I think it's probably somewhere in like 85 yard territory between Williams uh, and Jones. Uh, I just think we rely a little bit more on their their catching ability now. So we're more likely to dump it off rather than to hand it off. Yeah. Dan, I think you brought up a good point last episode, too, saying that this it was so uncomfortable watching our defense. I think this is going to be another game where it's very uncomfortable to watch our defense. But that's the thing about Phillip Rivers. In the first quarter, you might be laughing at him, thinking like, oh, our defense is back. We have a defense. And then he's going to turn it on because he's officially down by 20 points, and you're going to get uncomfortable again. So it can go either way with this guy. But, yeah, the, the weapons they have on offense – it could be like watching the Chiefs game where we're not happy about it, but I think we need. We, I think we still come out with the W. Yeah, this offense is the perfect example of when you're texting or you're saying to somebody next to you, like the Packers really need a turnover. This is that team that will be like, oh, thanks, it, I appreciate it. it. <laughs> yep. So that'll do it for this episode. We'll see how Sunday goes. Come on, eight and one. Go back, go. Back.